Joy. I'm not gonna worry about your level of concern. Joy and double Joy. We talking about Twitter. Triple Joy. Think of how stupid the average person is, and then realize half of them are stupider than that. Quadruple Joy. Mike Tomlin gets my game ball. Who's coaching this ball club? Mike T. Everybody else gets a little tight. We mock ourselves. You better be willing to do unique things in order to expect unique results. And, and that's just life. That is just life. Mm-hmm. And as we know, uh, survey says that the data is in with <laughs> se- 75% of Steeler fans tweeting negative things about their favorite team. Uh, you know, the, the analytics, the, the analyticists at bookies.com say we have the fourth worst, most negative fan base in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But maybe, just maybe... Uh, we, we've had the moment that is that have turned it all around. <laughs> Maybe this is the watershed moment where Steeler Nation can finally rise above and uh, and and become that perfect fan base that <laughs> that we're always striving to be. That's right. This is what Jin's talking about. The conversation about the Steelers' social media conversation. I'm Kyle Kreis here with Greg Benevent. Hello. And you know we we may this we may have just experienced a top five all time Steelers fan moment this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, will it be enough to convert the masses? We'll find out in the second half. <laughs> I would like to say uh, 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 just to what you said. Uh, one, almost assuredly, not the case. Unfortunately, turn these people around. But two, I I, I was I'm always struck by when you point out that stat about the fourth most negative fan base. Is my first thought is like, hey, how are they judging that? How can there be a fan base more negative than ours? And two, if that is the case, can you imagine what that's like? <laughs> yeah, it's if you thought this was bad, if you thought Friday the thirteenth was bad, Saturday the fourteenth. <laughs> in Seattle. I forget who the fourth worst. I think uh, I, uh, was Seattle one. I can't remember. We'll, I can't either. Go back and find our show in, yeah. in the in the vault. <laughs> well, you put together your favorite episodes of this. Be sure to go find that one. <laughs> um, all right. Before we get to the, the most awesome Tomlin interview mm-hmm. ever, uh, mm-hmm. let's start with some batting practice here in, okay. in the first half. Sure. Let's Line get them up to the tweets. All right. Uh, what? Oh, sorry, Siri. Yeah, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> now you want to chime in? <laughs> Where were you when I was trying to find uh, all those 80 Steeler stats? Okay. <laughs> to the tweets. Because before before Tomlin, you know, shattered our worlds, mm-hmm. uh, the big story was uh, uh, the the top three receiver, Chase Claypool, <laughs> top three receiver. Uh, Chase had you know before Tomlin's earth shattering interview, we had Chase Claypool, my my Steeler avatar for this mm-hmm. season. Uh, he you know he was breaking down the goods. Of course, all the media ran with the headline top three receiver, top three receiver. But that wasn't even the the most interesting part of the piece. But hey, we're not here to to get interesting. We're here to get to the tweets. There you go. At 
S City Nation 412, Steel City Nation. Let's quit this Chase Claypool being a top three to five wideout stuff. I mean, he has the physical gifts. He has the size, the speed, the hands, but he needs polish. He needs work. He's good, but I don't know if he cracks the top 15. Oh, you know, uh, did, did you did you hear what Chase had to say? You know, was this is this braggadocious or is this or is there more uh, subtlety than to this? Well, I think it's it's a guy believing in himself. I mean, it. It's it, it, and if I understand the context of the quote appropriately, he thought he said, "Hey, I'm a top three receiver in the league." He didn't say, "I'm a top three receiver in the league." Not unlike these other bums, whose names I will say specifically <laughs> that I'm so much better than. That's not what he said. So it's so I take it more in the context of I'm believing in me, which is something you want versus something braggadocious, which would be I'm better than those jerks. <laughs> if he was, yeah, if he was like, uh, you know, that's not Sammy Coates' spot, or what, what, was, the, what was the quote? <laughs> That's not yeah. Mar- that's not Sammy Coates. That's Martavius' spot. I forget. <laughs> right. I forget how it went down. Right, or even, or even just. But yeah, it's it's braggadocious. Is uh, there's there's a and, and anyone knows this, and you know this when you talk about your own self confidence. Is there's a difference between building yourself up and tearing others down, and this seems very much a case of the former. Of course, you know everyone is just is. It was one little quote. It was like not even a full sentence in the in the in this whole scheme of things. In fact, Brandon Marshall was kind of you know egging him on. It, it, mm-hmm. You know he wasn't. Uh, so, but hey, hey, everyone wants to pile on to this little, you know, mm-hmm. we'll go to at Colin Dunlap, you know, the, uh, I would say the King Solomon of Steeler <laughs> Nation, right? Uh, there's a chance by the end of the season that Claypool won't even be one of the top three receive uh, Steelers targets. Okay, mm-hmm. so forget about top three in the league, not even top three on the Steelers. Which is interesting. That's actually, I mean, that is certainly not impossible. I mean, I see later in the tweet he mentioned DJ Fryermouth and Pickens, which it might be even be like DJ Fryermouth and Najee in terms of, you know, targets. Yeah, that's possible. But it also is possible that Claypool really does have a bounce back, flourish, become the guy he seemed like during the lockdown season. Season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Dunlop thinks that Pickens is gonna, you know, emerge as this huge rookie target. Um, I don't know. Can you think? I can't think of any Steeler rookies that had that kind of productive rookie season. Uh, oh, except maybe Chase Claypool. Well, <laughs> and even then, that was a lot of uh, Claypool was. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And they would run all those things. The Claypool run the sides and all that. I mean, it's it's entirely possible. I I you know I think we are you know the the hype on Pickens is is rather big, which is great, but. Yeah, I think, you know, again, these we're still shadow boxing in June about trying to do these things. But it, again, it's very hard. And I'm going to keep saying it to all these. It's hard for me to get bent out of shape about, you know, the story here is man has self-confidence. <laughs> but the, I think the real story should have been elsewhere, you know, because uh, Chase said some interesting things that haven't gotten picked up, including okay. he blames the sophomore slump, oh. quote unquote, sophomore slump. Uh, maybe on number seven. Hmm. Here's uh, here's Chase himself. Every time there's a vet quarterback that's been there for a while and wins games, what? If you don't make a couple particular plays, you're probably not going back. You know what I'm saying? You're so there's a lot that. of times like what? I got formation away from shots that were in the end zone. You know what? Um, and that's because I had a couple shots that, you know. Maybe 50-50 balls, but, you know, we you was TikTok. We, yeah, I was too busy TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, you know, so it's like, I think this last year it kind of shifted away from 
hey, I need to get chased the ball every time we hop in the Renzo. Whoa. I mean, he's not saying Ben wouldn't throw me the ball, but he's saying Ben wouldn't throw me the ball. Well, he's I, I took that to be, and again, I haven't heard the entire thing, and good for them for making the TikTok joke, is that Ben wouldn't throw me the ball because there were 50-50 balls I did not make. Okay. He, did, he okay. lost the 50-50 balls, and that's why Ben didn't go back to him, which is the way Ben and this is not a knock. This has been the professional, Ben, the great quarterback, did throughout his career. If, if you know, if, if I mean, it's, it's it, Chase had a nice rookie season. Chase wasn't prime AB. There was no reason to keep feeding the offense through Chase. So, yeah, I, I could see not wanting to have to go to Chase or having or looking, hey, is DJ open over there? Is Friarmouth over there? If Chase is losing 50-50 balls, I mean, you remember – and I do too now during the season. How many times did we hear an analysis in other places like, oh, Chase needs to fight for the ball more? And he would lose those fights, and I'm sure Ben was aware of that too. Yeah, I'm willing to, you know, we talk, and I've said this before, we call them 50-50 balls. Right. Like it's a coin flip. Like if you throw them 100 times, <laughs> Chase is going to come down with 50 of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this wasn't Ben to uh, San Antonio Holmes in the end zone placement. Right, which is these, much less than 50-50. These yeah. were, I mean, these are truly contested balls where, uh, you know, he's he's going up for them. And yeah, maybe he didn't come down with 50% of them for being a 50-50 but I, I don't know. Are, are these all on Chase? I... Well, I don't know if they're all on Chase, but I do know, and we've heard this. And, and if you hear it enough in the team media, it must on some level come from someone on the team, is that there was a frustration with Chase not fighting enough for the ball. It's one thing. I'm sure they think this. They realize the same thing as you. 50, you're not going to get a 50-50 ball other times because 50% of the time, because the other guys are professional too. But if you're not always seen as fighting as much for the ball, and what do they call it, at the point of attack, then I can see Ben being like, okay, let's go to Friermouth, who we know is probably going to be maybe a little more of that kind of thing, thinking of the Cleveland catch, thinking of, you know. It- yeah, I mean, if, you're, if your nickname's Mapletron, uh, we are kind of expecting some Calvin Johnson type of plays. Or, yeah, there's some de- Decepticon level attack <laughs> as you're fighting, it, but literally fighting. I think that I think that's the part that frustrated them more than anything else. It wasn't that he wasn't coming down with the balls. It wasn't he wasn't fighting as hard as he could maybe for the balls. I think that's what frustrated them. Okay, okay. The uh, Another point that I thought was important in the Chase interview was about TikToks, right? Everyone's TikTok. Oh, these players are TikToking. No wonder they're not 17 and 0 these tiktoks are tiktoks a distraction uh well we, you can guess what chase said here's here's the here's the sound i probably posted two tiktoks three tiktoks in the last like year um <laughs> but it's perceived as a distra- distraction what it isn't a distraction right, let right, me right. tell you like in the locker room there'll be people hopping in oh let's make this let's do this it's not a distraction we're just having a good time what we humans too it's just perceived as a distraction so what? Make a TikTok. It's not a distraction, but if we go and lose that game, that TikTok is the re- part of the reason why we lost. You know what I'm saying? That's it right. don't make sense. It don't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, no, it it, don't make it, sense. nothing, you know, unless you're on your phone on the sidelines. Now I could be like, oh, yeah, man, that's a distraction. Why is he, you know? Because I think you're literally not allowed to do that. Didn't TJ <laughs> yes. get fined for checking at halftime to see if his sack counted for breaking the rule? Yeah, no one complained to TJ. Oh, what a distraction. He's, you know, he's on his phone at halftime, uh, you know, texting right. with his brother or something, you know. Of course, but no, but Chase, he's, he did a TikTok uh, in the locker room afterwards, and that's more important to the players 
players than the, than the team and the, the game. You know, it, it, I just want to piggyback on it because it just hit me now is that what you said and what Chase just said about how, you know, at the end of the game, hey, do you want to do this with me? This, this kind of thing. They At the end of the game, everyone's always celebrating or filing out anyway. Like they're not, they're just, not just like sitting there and then they go and they put on the suit and then they go back to 1974. That's not what happens. It's that there is dancing. There is celebrating. You're now just simply seeing it and a dude is holding a phone over here for 90 seconds to three minutes. Yeah. Like, and there's a different, you know, it's not like he's not uh, Happy Kelly out there doing these four hour produced TikToks with edits and uh, costume changes and whatnot. You know, he's up there, you know, doing a little doing a little uh, jig and a, maybe a half a verse or something, you know. <laughs> I, I was just sitting there trying to figure out the reference to Happy Kelly. And then I was so glad I didn't get it. Yeah. Oh, you don't follow Happy Kelly? Uh, I, 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 TikTok is one I've resisted so far, but at some point, I'll, of course, I'll give in. There's no way to avoid it. It's uh, better than a lot of television that I, I, that is what everyone tells me <laughs> like people across you know comedy acting writing this, this everything else folks say that i've heard that so many different ways um and then of course one last thing on on chase uh you know of course they ask every player they ask him tell me about mike t mm-hmm. and uh chase is no exception mike t he i there's not enough good things to say about him you what? know he, he'll ask you how your family's doing what? He actually cares about that, and you don't get that around the league. You know, I've what? obviously only played for one team, but every man that comes in and comes into the facility, they just talk about how lucky we are. So, every man who comes in the facility, and probably person who comes into mm-hmm. the facility, uh, they say, "Yeah, Mike T's a real one." I mean, it's it's testimonial after testimonial. Um, and, and and we'll get in the second half. We'll get to the source himself. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll go straight to Simba, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, what else do we have to say about Tomlin that hasn't already been said by every player or media person in this world? Right. And it's and it's interesting because it's it never sounds perfunctory. No, it never sounds like they're repeating a line. It's always someone is expressing to you this thing you've heard before in their own way and their own unique way based on their the exact personal experiences they've had with Tomlin. You're exactly right. I, you are exactly right. Uh, final word on Chase because we we're we're doing 15 minutes on Chase. Let's oh, uh, let's get at Fan Morning Show the Fan Morning Show Twitter poll. Will Chase Claypool have a bounce back season? Uh, obviously the fan poll because 48% yes, 51.7% no. Okay, now you don't have the date on this here in front of us. Was this after the comments came out about the top three receiver? Yes. Okay, see, that's what's so ironic about this. If he hadn't said, I believe in myself, these numbers might have reversed. If he would have said nothing, everyone would have been like, this is Chase's season. It's entirely possible. (laughs) Or or else they just would have been like a general, okay, it's the offseason. Sure, Chase could bounce back. I don't know. I I would imagine these numbers. But the fact that Chase believed in himself and to be like, absolutely not. This is not happening. This guy, too much TikToking. <laughs> too much TikToking. Um, well, I, you know, I want to get to the other lead story this week. But it's kind of buried. Just like, man, it seems like time uh, has gone by slowly. But we, there's a little revisionist history uh, going on. Uh, you know, uh, let's, let's let's just get to the tweet. Okay. At R. Mendenhall, hmm. Richard Mendenhall, I never fumbled that ball. Super Bowl 45. My coaches would feel like a-holes to say that I did. I never did. I was separated from the ball. Four yards in the backfield. That's the running back equivalent to a strip sack. There's nothing I could have done about it. Respect my career. Um, I mean, I, you know, is someone having nightmares at night? Someone seems like something uh, can't seem to 
get this out of the past. This, this is the closest we've ever come to someone actually doing the uh, uh, Al Bundy, you know, four touchdowns, Polk High State <laughs> thing in real life. It, um, I, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, plenty of other Steelers fans have nightmares too. This, it, I mean, it's, it, it's rare you ever get to compare something to this, but like this is all I could think of was like the tuck roll. You know, like in terms like, okay, it's it, sure it was, you, I mean, it, you know, a man hit you and the ball came out of your hands. I, I don't know if this is necessarily a semantic argument. Is, yeah, is there a difference? I mean, is there a difference between a strip sack QB fumble and just a regular fumble? I'm pretty, I mean, I'm not the, by any means the stat guy, but I'm pretty sure it counts as a fumble. Definitely. It certainly yeah. counts as a fumble, you know, forced and recovered for the defensive player. As my fantasy teams know hard and well. Right, yeah. right. So it's, so, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I guess the argument here is if, I mean, it'd be one thing for him to say, like, it's not my fault, which makes sense. Hey, you were four yards in the backfield. Whoever it was wasn't blocked. Maybe, I, I mean, Doug I certainly Ligursky, don't play. The big Ligurski. Okay, so he probably shouldn't have been playing because, <laughs> you know, Pouncey tears his ACL in the first drive against the Jets. And, and you know, maybe the handoff isn't great. I don't know. I certainly haven't seen the play since then. But um, to say, hey, it wasn't my fault. That guy's back there is one thing. For say it's not a fumble, I mean, it's, you know, I, I know Mendenhall became a TV writer after uh, uh, his playing career, and that seems very much like the kind of TV, you know, a, a professional writer argument. Well, excuse me, sir, it is not a fumble. It was merely a strip, is the equivalent of a strip sack. Like, I, I, I watched the, I Zupruder filmed this, this play. Okay. Because um, I just was like, does he have a point? Does he have a point? Um, may, you know, maybe. But, okay. Could but, be. I mean, I have no idea. Because again, it sounds like this is, you know, uh, the argument of elite or dance angels on the pin is like, which goes, yeah. is a strip sack or is a fumble? Well, I don't know. I know the Packers won. That's what I know. Yeah. Right? And you know what? And and the, the thing is, I think he's trying to correct his legacy, but I think it only entrenches that moment because I, you know, before I was trying to think back of my Mendenhall moments and I can still remember the moment he was drafted because I think that was a big surprise that we went running back in that first round there. Um, but now, because he's emphasizing this moment, now that's the moment that I remember now. He did, we were only down four mm -hmm. to, to the Packers in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And he did have that fumble while we were on a scoring drive. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, and he was good. I mean, this idea that, you know, Mendenhall between this and tweeting, uh, uh, you know, why are we all mad and Bin Laden? I mean, I think that's <laughs> kind of clouded people's minds. But he really was a good running back. You could run an offense through him. They really did need him at the time. He was He was very good when he played. I, I mean, for me, I remember more is I think Ray Lewis broke his collarbone. That was the one. I think that kind of became an issue. But um, but yeah, it's it's no. I mean, that's the play where really the Packers took back control of that Super Bowl because they because the Steelers were absolutely on the march all through the third. But um, but yeah, it it it. So I mean, it's it's a tough break a lot of ways. That guy ran into a few of them, but um, but he was a very good back at the time. This just seems so weird to you know. It's the kind like this is a tweet like it's rare that you read a tweet where it's like oh this guy might have just bolted awake at three a.m. <laughs> By a nightmare, you right, know? right, right. Just like uh, you know, like in a movie. At um, mm -hmm. I've trained myself to hate it. <laughs> yeah, me too, Coach. <laughs> there's gonna be so. I was watching. I think there's so many of these calls gonna pull for the podcast from this. Um, you know, and in, in now in thinking of Steeler history, now Mendenhall really since then we've had Lev Bell, mm -hmm. now Najee. Uh, you might even want to throw James Conner. You know, uh, as the further that the Mendenhall era goes into the past, the further it kind of, um, um, you know, kind of kind of obscures away, right? I, I guess. I mean, I, I love James Conner, the person. I thought he was a very good back. Mendenhall might have been more talented. 
I, yeah. I think I yeah. think that I I I, I mean I but, I mean like I said just absolutely love James Conner but I mean certainly Najee and Bell are I mean obviously it's early with Najee but I mean it's it's he they do seem better than Mendenhall was I do you know he says respect my career and and, and unfortunately I think. Uh, this that tweet maybe has done did the opposite. Well, I think we're also forgetting too. I mean, it's not that not that you know. Let's go on. Let's make a podcast with Rashard Mendenhall. But like, yeah, just yeah. you know, Willie Parker was gone at that point. You weren't running the offense through Gary Russell. Yeah. Like you did need a a bell cow back, and he was good for his time. I'm not sure my voice. Did the Steelers there. feel the same way about you? That's my question to <laughs> Mendenhall. Uh, all right, let's move on um, because there was some. Uh, wait, where, where's the, where's the noise? We got to talk about. Oh. oh, we're blaming Canada in June. It's, it's already here. It's how, that's how you know football is right around the corner. Um, mm-hmm. Let's get to the Canada hate. <whistles> this is Jerry Dulac mm-hmm. on the so-called fan Baltimore. <laughs> so he's not even on his home turf. Players were upset with formations that were being called, which were out of sync with everything else that was going on. It was someone chaotic. That's the biggest thing that has to change. It was not better orchestrated from the top. They're going to have, if it's not better orchestrated from the top, they're going to have some more problems. Where did this, I haven't, I don't remember anything like this throughout the season at all. I don't remember this in a, in a PPG column. I don't remember this in uh, DK that players were upset with the play calling. Well, I I, I I mean, I don't know either. I mean, it's it, I, I do always tend to wonder, and it tends to be more from the defense, but like occasionally during the offseason, you will get somebody, you know, it'll like someone will link like, hey, there were communication problems or there was some kind of communication issue. And then these are all completely anonymous and it's never followed up with anything else. It, um, I mean, it. I, I have no idea where this is coming from or who was saying it. I can totally see someone being like, yeah, that formation didn't make sense to me that we ran in the third quarter against the Chiefs. One player thinking that. But I, 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 it does seem if it were this consistent the thing that people were concerned about how it wouldn't have come up sooner. Yeah, it's like not not something that Chris Collinsworth ever noticed or Tony Romo or, you know, uh, I don't see Ray Ray McLeod complaining about the formations <laughs> out there. That's true. You know? it's, it's not running the whole offense through him anymore, thankfully. It just, yes. you know, if this uh, if this insider, Jerry Dulac, the insider, mm-hmm. had this information, why is it, it's like, why is it coming out in June? Uh, I, you know, it's, 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 it seems like this would have been a lead story anytime during the season. I mean, it, it's, it is always possible. And I'm not saying this is the case that it could be the case of like, so the insiders feel comfortable saying it now because it's the off season or that, you know, whoever was responsible for such things have moved on, or even the people saying these things have moved on, but it, uh, but it is weird. I mean, it did seem like, Oh, where, where did that come from? When it, when this story came over the transom earlier this past week, maybe, I mean, it could, it could just be Ben could Ben be a source like what the heck is uh you know what the heck is uh Derek Watt doing out on this formation right or it's just just yeah oh we're, we're running you know we're going deep to Ray Ray on the the fade in the end zone this man who's as tall as my dog yeah like all right well you know Jerry I don't know one of these insiders but uh I think you know whatever I, the in, there are no local insiders I think we learned you know even this week with the Tomlin interview it's like no Pittsburgh local insider ever had that kind of access to him well it's just why I kind of wonder why I mean it's it's again where you see like I think maybe more of the former players getting it getting into the media sort of uh, uh kind of might be a bigger and bigger thing as this goes um let's let's just briefly before we take our break let's just briefly talk 
quarterbacks. I don't even ah oh, gosh, there's not even a whole lot of quarterback news. But mm-hmm. let's uh, let's go back to Dulac here. Mm-hmm. Because this was also from the same interview on the so-called fan Baltimore. I wonder if it's so-called fan in Baltimore, or if they're just Steeler haters on on every fan. And I, I imagine that 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 the Baltimore fan can you? I imagine those people are pretty hard on Harbaugh. Yeah, I th- I I I, I, th- I imagine whatever. What are you squawking about <laughs> yeah. right now? They're 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 it's there's very similar uh, pushing back on the haters. Okay, well here's Dulac on the fan Baltimore again. This time uh, we're talking QBs. I think the Steelers will treat Mason Rudolph with a little bit more respect than to keep him around as the third quarterback and a game day scratch. They will probably try to move him, trade him. Is it disrespectful to keep Mason on this roster, uh, even if he's going to be a healthy scratch? I mean, I might have agreed with that before I saw Duck Hodges lead the Steelers into a stadium. <laughs> yeah. Like, then I might believe a, a little bit more in this respect thing. Now, I think if someone offers like a fourth-round pick, or maybe even a fifth, you'd strongly consider it, because that's that, that, that's different than respect. That's leveraging assets. That's pulling resources. But I I think, you know, and also, too, it's hard to say this. Like, if Kenny Pickett comes out and looks great, then I think they will uh, suddenly have more respect for Mason Rudolph and trade him. You know what I mean? I think that if he looks like he can be a league backup immediately, then yeah, I could see Mason being moved. Sure. If you're, and and if you're Mason, do you even want, I mean, I don't know. You know, in some aspects, I'd rather be the number three in Pittsburgh than to be a maybe a number one in Seattle or something. You know. Well, I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to say that to somebody. Who, you know, if you're not playing. I mean, if you got yeah, the chance yeah. to play and you can be the Carolina Panthers guy or something, and of course you want to be that because that's you're playing in the NFL. You're starting in the NFL. But I, I I do think you know there might be something to hey you know if if you don't you know uh, uh, it might not be the worst. And Mason probably realizes this. You're the third string in Pittsburgh. Hang around, and maybe you can do what Mitch Trubisky did. <laughs> yeah, right. And in the meantime, just collect your eight million that you've uh, career earnings. <laughs> I was going to say so that's far. not the worst thing either. Yeah, at, uh, eight million career earnings for uh, you know getting paid to go to Kenny Chesney concerts, basically. So. <laughs> well, I mean, he had a tough season when he started. So yeah. oh, oh yeah, no, right. he's so, earned he's earned his yes, he uh, he's earned his has. eight mil. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we got to get to the second half. <laughs> Because there is uh, is so much to talk about as far as uh, this Mike Tomlin interview, the interview of the year. I I think that it should be like an annual tradition. You know, we used to have LeBeau doing the night before Christmas. I think all Steeler fans should have to just watch this Tomlin interview. Oh, a cower going on sports beat in the world's ugliest 90s sweater was always (laughs) the state of the union. Yeah. All right. When we come back, the Tomlin interview heard round the world. second half of what Jin's talking about on the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast network. Stay tuned for the Steelers preview coming up later today. Mm. Uh, but right now, we promised the interview. The, is it the chop heard around the world? <laughs> uh, chopping it up. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's just get to at real Clark 25 Ryan Clark. 
a decade and a half later, not one losing season, two Super Bowls, one ring, and Coach Tomlin says he's still fighting every day to prove he belongs. Yes, he still feels that way. This is, uh, you know, this we we've specifically on the show we've been begging for the you know the kind of access to Mike Tomlin that the players and mm-hmm. other people have had and brag about that we don't really get to see uh, in the on those Tuesday and Sunday press conferences. But here, thanks to Ryan Clark and the the Pivot Podcast, yeah, <laughs> uh, the you know. I, I, I haven't seen I, the praise hasn't ended for this. I mean, every, oh, it shouldn't. Every corner of the world, from I saw Seth Meyers tweeting about it. Mm-hmm. I saw players from other teams. You know, Brian Hartline. I've seen just everybody. Um, everybody who's everybody has has watched this or has talked about I it. I think some, yeah, like like some like Vikings beat writer wrote. It. I mean, it's just you know, it, it's one of those things that is you know, I, I hate to use the phrase, it's a it's a crossover event. I mean, this is really yeah. Is. This is this was. Uh, mm-hmm. I expected uh, Thanos to come out or something at the end, <laughs> and Tomlin would just uh, put him away. I am Steel Man. Uh, I, it was so long. It, it, it's hard to just pull highlights. There was yes. so much. Uh, this I wanted to just kind of mystery science theater the whole thing. Oh but, man, absolutely. Which, which is basically what Channing Crowder did himself in a lot of cases. <laughs> at, uh, which, and I enjoyed it greatly. I don't mean to make fun of that guy. He was great. Uh, where should we even start with? It? I got I a couple know. sound bites pulled, but where Please. you know where what what what, what I don't know what uh, what struck what, what what struck the heart of you in this? Uh it was it, for the first time. Or maybe the first time in a long time, it's, you know, as a Steelers fan, you've always heard about this mythical interview that Tomlin gave to the Roonies to be hired. And you'd always heard of it. They knew it immediately and all that. And it and it always, you know, and as much as you respect Tomlin, it always said a little, it always sounded a little exaggerated. It seemed like <laughs> something so like, oh, okay, this guy came in and he blew us away. Okay, sure. But then through the course of 90 minutes, to me, I was like, oh, I get it now. This is what it was like. And I think someone even references that. One of them at some point, like the first half hour, or Tomlin talks about that interview or touches on it. And I, for the first time, I really saw it. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't he say, like, and they bought it, too, or something. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah. He made, right. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's and, 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 like, the spell has sort of been cast before that, where it starts to sink, like, as a longtime Steelers viewer and fan of the team, where it starts to sink in, where it's like, oh, okay, this is what must have been like. And then he kind of hits you with that very funny line. But, yeah. Um, I, let's, let's get to, well, you know, I, I, let's get to what inspires Tomlin as a coach, because mm-hmm. I, I think he was pretty frank, you know, yeah. uh, is in, and a lot of people are inspired by failure, but here, here's Tomlin. What inspires me as a coach, really, to be blunt, my failures of, as a player, I could never live with. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a great player, man. And I wasn't, and, um, I never got over that. You know, I thought that was that's that's just like his motivation comes from the failure. Still, I, you know, I kind of look where I look at you know in our places in in careers or whatnot, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can't. I I see I see setback and failure, and I'm like, man, I would never be able to turn that into greatness. But then uh, that's exactly what Tomlin did. Well, I think it's also that that there was a venue for such a thing. I mean, which is, I mean, this is a man, you know, it's, as you and I kind of joked off the air, I mean, Tomlin making it as a receiver in the NFL, given physical limitations, might have been a bit of a stretch. I mean, certainly yeah. there's that lovely uh, uh, whole bit they do about, and bit's not the right word, but about, you know, the 5'9", 180 player who's just, you know, that's the guy that's that you should uh, look to for, you know, you cannot beat his focus and determination. But yeah, I, but 
it's 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 he's taken that. But again, it's it's you know the best things are something like this are listening to Tomlin. And you and I have talked about this before. It's just it's not just about listening to it in a football context. It's how can you apply that to what you do and how you are in your own life. And if there's any way to take some neg, I mean, it doesn't have to be so direct as this. But if there's some way to take some kind of negative and have it spur you towards something more positive or even something that makes you happier, then yeah, what a, what a blessing that is. It goes back to something he said before about you know you choose who you want to be each day mm-hmm. and it's like do you want to dwell on your failure i'm sure you know you know there i'm sure there's plenty of coaches in the league still who probably dwell on their failures maybe as a player or otherwise absolutely and i, I don't want to distract to take away from where you're going to us next but i just thought about you know that choosing where you want to be each day and i don't even know if you mentioned that but i was so struck by for me maybe the lasting image mental image of this is the tomlin quietly walking the first floor with the cup of coffee before the day begins <laughs> and i was thinking like man i need some kind of morning routine like that for my life i you know it takes me forever to get up and yeah. i gotta find yeah. a caffeine and then okay now we gotta write something or maybe go to the gym oh wait there's my job too but like this man gets up and just has that and just quietly walks the first floor waiting to see the others as they arrive what a lovely routine to get into the day like yeah well you know and and uh and we saw his house uh, that's his house right in the, yes. in the interview mm-hmm. and uh you know he had the two lombardis and you pointed out because i was like why are there two the one from the box mm-hmm. which i hadn't thought of but then you pointed out yes. the uh, w- uh what did no, you no 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 if you i mean it's, we were we were talking off the air what's the most bizarre thing or what stood out to you the most because for me it was easy and Kyle went on about the lombardis for me it's i believe if you look over fred taylor's right shoulder there is a golden tea or arcade console which i believe and i could be wrong feel free to correct me in the comments or elsewhere on social media was sega's golf game from the 80s or 90s it is such a bizarrely specific thing and it stands out among like the lambert jersey or the you know the signed football and the it's just too specific and weird to not be like in its own way how much it stands out gives some other peek into tomlin's sight there's something to that game like right he, like he played it like uh, at uh, memphis or something like right. that was, or it know. was like or it was in the local pizza place after the high school games and he bought it with the money like there's some specific story there and i'm waiting for someone to bring, like bring up golden tea it's right over there like why is this in the shot you clearly moved the seats around you could have put like another jersey or like a bobblehead or something over there but you were fine with golden tea and uh and he was he was pretty cash i don't know um he's been sporting those camo shorts it makes me think does all he all he have in his uh in his wardrobe are camo shorts <laughs> well i wonder if there is something to be like you're a decade and a half into this job you're almost assuredly a Hall of Famer. I'll wear pants when I want. I <laughs> he, got these shorts. He was rocking Converse Chucks, which made me think, man, I got to bring those back, though. So <laughs> I've got about four pairs of those in my uh, closet. I might bring them, but the camo shorts, I don't know. But uh, um, let's let's talk. I thought I thought this was interesting. Please. Uh, Tomlin talking about hiring Brian Flores and the the process that uh, maybe maybe surprisingly simple process mm-hmm. that this was. No, not going to hear it. <laughs> and I walk into Art Rooney's office. I say, Art, I'm, I've been talking to Brian Flores, man, kind of on a lot of things, you know, just staying close to him, et cetera, et cetera. But now this thing is pushed to work coaching, man. This dude want to coach football. What? And I want to hire him. And he was like, great. <laughs> right. Off bat. Great. <laughs> that's, the, that's the extent of the conversation. <laughs> Boom. I mean, now, I mean, so 
<laughs> that kind of doesn't the people who say that Tomlin might have too much of control in the organization <laughs> that certainly doesn't help those arguments <laughs> what was that Rooney impression well I think it was that I, I think the, the part to me that was so striking wasn't just that it was the reaction that came after that where the other guys were clearly blown away by this yeah like they yeah. couldn't believe that at all like it's just you walked out of the office you asked your supervisor hey I'd like to bring in this resource can we pay for it he said great and then that was it <laughs> the that, right that, but that's but that to me is like okay I've been in bad offices I've been in good offices and work so have you that's the sign of the good office yeah. is that I mean and again it helps that you know Brian Flores is obviously a great football mind and a knowledgeable guy and it's not like there was just like hey here's some dude at some college you've never heard of like no this is a guy that should be a head coach in the national like football. our wide receivers coach <laughs> yes exactly but like it, 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 but yeah but so that that but I think that but it also speaks to you know Art Ernie was in the office he's not like uh uh, uh, you know, out on his like you know million dollar yacht somewhere in the Caribbean, like he wasn't. We didn't have to get him because he was like jet setting around the world, or he was in Milan. No, he was also <laughs> in the office. Yeah, you know, if this was Belichick, has to you know fly down to the uh, masseuse parlor and ask Kraft if uh, can we hire this guy? Yeah, or okay. even text him and wait to hear back. Like it, you know, whereas like yeah, Art was also in the office that which and this also was the off season, right? I mean, so it's not yeah. like. He he was just around because it was the season art was no art was in the office puttering around too and it you know yeah with that great impression i don't know it's, <laughs> tomlin might have a career but agt after this i don't well, know it also, but it also sounded like the kind of thing like oh yeah sure <laughs> what are you doing for lunch like that seemed like that was gonna be the next thing art was gonna say like um the uh i i really liked what he said about ab mm-hmm. they asked they brought up antonio brown and you know, it seems like everything we've heard about AB has been one thing. You know, yeah, he was great, but, but, mm-hmm. but. And uh, Tomlin kind of said everything except the but. Mm-hmm. What I'll say about AB is this, man. Man, we had nine great years. Mm-hmm. What? I appreciate that dude in ways that I can't explain to y'all. What? That I won't even bother to attempt to explain to y'all. Because it sounds like I'm defending him in some way. And to me, from that standpoint, the nature of our relationship and what we all did together requires no defense. Correct. You could digest it however you want to digest it. What? You know what I mean? Right. But I don't think enough gets said about, about the will of that dude. What? About the work ethic of that dude. What? About the fearlessness in which he played the game. What? Like, is fear ever a factor in his play? Not one time. Like... Think about how many people that played a wide out position that you could say that about. Like, he wasn't a goon wide out. He wasn't 6'4", 2 and a quarter, man. Like, I never seen him blink. Woo! Size him up for that yellow jacket. (laughs) Wow, I'm convinced. Yeah, and I think that everything Tomlin said was true, and honestly, I think... That's part of what was so shocking and so much of a betrayal when A.B. didn't come out for that game against the Bengals is this is the guy who is the standard for working hard and for, you know, doing his job, didn't do it. That's part of what made it so bad at the time. But, I, I, I mean, again, this by the, this entire speech, it's one more way to show how much Tomlin is someone you want to play for. Here's someone that, you know, divorced in the ugliest, most <laughs> negative way possible, and everyone listening to this Tomlin still won't hear him badmouth the guy. And that really means something when you're thinking about, okay, so I know this guy's always going to have my back because he always had this back of a guy who literally stabbed him in the back or as close as you can get to literally stabbing someone in the back in this context.
Mike Tomlin's got to be in Coach of the Year conversation. Got to. Got to. Uh, you know, and the ultimate compliment, he, Antonio Brown never blinked. That, right. to me, is, you know, that speaks volumes more than, you know, anything he said about anyone else, really. Oh, certainly. And again, and again, the context here is Antonio Brown never blinked until he closed his eyes and walked out the building. <laughs> true, yeah. But But in the game, he never did blink. I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, 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 yeah, it's, it's you know, and it's, and even then, one of the, some of the worst things he said all that complaining about juju after juju fumbling against the saints and getting knocked out of the playoff hunt and that is that that was him being mad that he wanted to win he wanted to keep going it um but yeah it uh, i mean it's it's you know as, as soon as all everything tomlin said all i could think about was ab reaching that ball across the end zone against mm-hmm. the ravens i yep. mean that's that's everything it's rare that you get to see one player their greatness in one play greatest i say greatest moment in heinz field history i i know that's uh, i know some people say troy it's not troy crazy. against flat yeah, I mean, a try against Flacco is the context. It's the stakes. Although the stakes were, you know, they lose that game. They're probably not making the playoffs on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly top 10. Uh, uh, I would probably top five. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, just this whole it's and, it's and it's hard to really encapsulate this whole 90 minute interview uh, right. into these sound bites. But, uh, you know, anyone it's it's he's undeniable. We talk about in comedy being undeniable. Mm-hmm. And that is what this interview is. Yes. You know, you can't watch it and think anything else. And, and in fact, the same day that that uh, this interview came out, you know, on Behind the Steel Curtain, we dropped this article, you know, about you know someone ranked Tomlin third high best high uh, head coach. And, you know, but but, you know, the way that we framed it was, you know, like both sides, you know, it was like some people say Tomlin's great. Some people say that he's not. And some people are in the middle. There is there is no Goldilocks when it comes to Mike. You know, there is no oh well good and bad and in the middle. I mean, good might be. Uh, you know, uh, bad might be he's a great head coach. Good might be he's one of the greatest people uh, on the planet. I don't, you know. <laughs> well, I think, but I think that kind of speaks to just how great he is. Is that you can't to that if if you make a list of the best coaches and you omit him, you have to explain the omission. You're only casting judgment on yourself. These that's where you know we say we like to say on the show, you know, not every opinion uh, is worthy of discussion. And it's and, and these are the you can't watch this Tomlin interview and then say, oh, fire Tomlin or oh man, why can't he call timeouts right? Or, you know, oh man, uh he lost the locker room. You know, it's just the it, that's those aren't opinions. That's delusional, you know. Go go sail your boat off your flat Earth if you think that way, you know. Well, I, I think that uh, speaking to that, I mean, and certainly, you know, you can always improve at the in-game stuff and the talent evaluation stuff. But this this interview was as powerful of evidence as possible, as other than the record as to how he never really did lose a locker room. True, I mean, you can see that definitively in the way he talks to these men and the way they talk to him. Boom! Uh, power up. All right, we. Uh, <laughs> We're we're going long, but this was this was the. the I thought we were going to do the whole thing on this Tomlin thing. I'm amazed we're talking about Chase and you know. Oh, Mendenhall. maybe I should have. No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Come because on. Because a lot of people aren't giving this attention that it deserves. You know, this should be uh, this should be a week worth of, of breaking news. Well, I think uh, it's also, on some level is that a little bit of jealousy. But like I told you when I came over here today, I, at some point through that podcast, watching the pivot, I thought, why are we doing this? What are you and I doing? Like 
this is these guys have perfected the archery. They even got this Channing Crowder guy who's hilarious. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, like, I think I think even Kabali had to admit, like, I've never gotten that kind of access from him. Uh, right. Well, by the same token, Kabali didn't play safety for him in the uh, Super Bowl either. But okay, well, you know, he he is a self-appointed insider. Hmm. Uh, well, let you know. Let's get to the couch cons because we have had some uh, we had some front office business. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with. At the Betts 93, our own Jeremy Betts. Ogunjabi is coming to start. Mm-hmm. Seven sacks last year, still under 30. A grade signing. Omar Khan killing it so far. More to come, hopefully. Um, it, it, you know, I think you said, you know, we were talking in the chat. You said, you know, Wormley better be on notice. I said, oh, maybe Tyson might be on notice. Well, where, where, what's his role in this uh, in this front line? Yeah, you know? he's going to start. He's going to play. And it, uh, yeah, and hopefully he's uh, good. I mean, it's, <laughs> I th- no, seriously. But I think uh, the idea is that it, it you know, they, they've proved, I, I think this shows they're attacking the defensive line the same way they're attacking quarterback. We're going to get a bunch of guys. <laughs> And we're going to figure it out from there. Some of you are going to start. Some of you are going to sit and some are going home. This is We're going to throw as many. This was a huge problem. Yeah. We're going to throw a bunch of resources at it and figure it out from there. Okay. I, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's, it's you know, my only. I didn't realize that this was the guy who earlier this offseason failed the physical, oh. which sounds like something uh, I, I could have done. But, um, but again, he had that. Uh, I was just reading before this. He had that, you know, that, 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 that Liz Frank. Uh, uh, the one that sounds like a fashion outlet store, but is actually this horrible injury. Oh, like, I thought you were going to say something from the Stranger Things soundtrack. Right, right, right. Yeah, Liz, exactly. Liz Frank sounds like she's here to serenade you and not like, you know, you messed up your ankle in some horrific way. Um, well, uh, let's bring up this point because, you know, I don't know if I'm a if I'm an Ogujabi fan because at my sports update, Ari Miroff Larry Ogunjabi is the player who shoved Mason Rudolph down in the Miles Garrett incident a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, uh, there, there hasn't been closure really about this. You know, I know everyone's moved on. Tomlin's moved on. Mace has moved on. But there really hasn't been closure. And I think that someone's going to have to ask Larry O about this uh, for me to get on board. <laughs> well, one, I'm sure if there's one thing we've learned in this offseason, it's that Mason is a chiller dude than we thought. So I have no <laughs> doubt that Mason has already gone up and like, hey, you know, sorry, uh, you shoved me in the back or however. One. I've never been shoved to the back and then uh, cussed someone out on national television. I'm not sure how that uh, uh, that goes. But um, but I mean, there is something to be said for having the guy who's willing to just shove someone in the back in the middle of a scrum. I mean, I wouldn't mind having that guy on my team as in a contest. Context. Okay. Okay. All right. But no. But your point is well taken. I mean, and, and you and I kind of talked about this off the air. Is that for me the closure on that incident was during the tombstone thing. Well, Miles Garrett said, "You know, I'm kind of a troll." <laughs> to me, that was like, "Oh, okay. Now this all fits into place." He can keep my tombstone or whatever. I'll take the W. Yeah, we'll take the W, Cleveland. Um. All right. We're just uh, let's. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> Let's go, um, uh, I don't know. Hey, let's do this briefly towards the end here. Okay. I want to go to at Pro Football, HOF, Pro okay. Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Dermotti Dawson's friendly off-field demeanor earned him the nickname Ned Flanders, but on the field, he was all business. He turned 57 this week. Mm-hmm. I don't, I remember Dirt Dawson. Yes. I don't remember Dermotti Ned Flanders Dawson. No, that feels like revisionist history. I remember uh, I, a friend of mine lived next to him uh, when he played during the season, and they would tell stories about how when they were kids and they were making a lot of noise in their townhouse, once they did get a knock on the door and like, excuse me, Dirt has a game tomorrow. 
<laughs> like I remember hearing that? that story. Can you can you just kind of keep it down a bit? Like it. So yeah. So it. Um. So I mean, that's that. Uh, although in a way, that is kind of Ned Flanders. <laughs> now that I mentioned it, I hadn't thought of that. Oakley Doakley. Oakley Doakley. Could you keep the noise down a bit? We have the Oilers in town tomorrow. It. Um. I hadn't thought of that. All right. So maybe it is true. Yeah. Maybe. maybe I mean, but but I never heard anyone say that. I mean, just, can you imagine like coward? Like there's we got Ned Flanders out there. Like it's preposterous. Like <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Uh, you know, I didn't see any of the insiders like Kabali or Dulac uh, talk, calling him Ned Flanders. Where, where's, where's the insiders with yeah, this? I info? got nothing for Ned Flanders. That feels like something somebody said once, and they're like, "Sure, that was your nickname." You disp- for saying it to somebody who was like born in 1996. <laughs> right? Yeah, Ned. Fl- yeah, was that even a reference? Maybe it was. I mean, it I was guess. from like the moment the show hit. Okay, but All but right. but it also wasn't like we were looking at you know Hall of Fame caliber offensive linemen. I'm like, ah, Ned Flanders. Like. All right, I'm going to give the final word to <laughs> at BigOcho.8, our own DeMarvin Leal. Mm-hmm. I want to thank Tooth Manford for the opportunity and giving me my first truck. So we can see where the uh, where the first paycheck went here. You got a cherry red Ford F-150. Wow. Uh you know those F-150s don't have the full size bed, so you know he's not he's not putting uh, sheets of drywood in the in the drywall in the back there. Okay, well, I mean, but I'm sure it's it's. I mean, I haven't been in the truck in a million years, but I imagine it has more like carrying space than like my Jeep does. I have a Jeep Patriot. Yeah, more than yeah, more okay. than that. But okay. you know, these I always look at those. You see a lot of Ford 150s out there, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like it's like truck. Truck drive trucks for people who don't really drive trucks. You know, it's okay. like you know, I don't know. It's, well, uh, I mean, what's, <laughs> I mean it's, he doesn't need the second job building houses in the off season. Like, what is he doing? What? This? Yeah, you got this. I don't know. It's like your first. It's like I don't know. He's all. It's it's his first truck. So okay. Uh all right. Well, it, no. I mean, I, a, no. I mean, I, I'm not. I, I mean, I'm, I, I feel bad. I'm not. I'm maybe not the most qualified person to talk about this. Like, what's you're expecting? Like, you get a first truck. Like, okay, you're getting the Canyonero from the Simpsons. Like, yeah, is that yeah. what? Maybe, okay. maybe okay. I don't. You know, I don't know. I just you know, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a rookie purchase. We'll see. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, hey, this is the coolest looking truck versus like the truck that's like going to like fix the quarry this weekend. Maybe, maybe all of the above. Maybe none. I don't know. I don't know where I'm at on this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We can explore our truck feelings in a future episode. Well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if uh, Ogunjabi makes the fifty-three before I judge uh, Leal's truck. Uh, I think we got to get out of here. We're going super long. We just hey, that's what they said on the pivot, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, if the pivot can go long with Tomlin, we can go long talking about Tomlin. Uh, follow us on social media. I'm at Kyle Christ. Greg, where are you? I'm uh, Instagram and Twitter at Greg Benevent. V is in boy, E-N-E. V is in Victor, E-N-T. The power is now up to you. Mm-hmm. Take our, our we, we've, we've filled you with knowledge. Now it's up to you to give us a review or something, you know, <laughs> or something, something. Or tell someone, tweet, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to Behind the Steel Curtain. We've got more podcasts. Keep them coming. Coming up. Be the best selves. That's going to be required. Stay in school.